Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. It's Thursday morning in London town. Do you know, I hate Thursday morning in London town. I've suddenly realised there must be all these clubs around here. The most awful people turn out of them at about four o'clock, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. Loud, leery, ugh, dear. Just the sort of people you think, you know, if you live next door to them, you'd be really fed up, wouldn't you? You're, ju- you're just sort of, you're in bed very quietly and all of a sudden you get woken up by this blooming noise of somebody coming in. So my advice is if you've got somebody like that next door to you, when you actually get up today, start banging on the walls and everything else. Morning! You know, shouting loudly. Just disrupt their sleep as well. Makes you feel so much better about life. Anyway, a lot to get through between now and 7 o'clock this Thursday morning. This is your last one at work, because tomorrow you're off. And Saturday and Sunday and Monday as well. So it's quite, well, for many of you, for most of us here, it's exactly the same. So we, we don't mind at all. Because I'm quite happy, because the roads are empty. The kids are on holiday. It's great because a lot of the fast food places around our way start losing money, so I'm very happy there because it's disgusting places they are. But uh, being Thursday, Paul Saver is back with us. Good morning. Morning. Nice day, isn't it? Did you back- Can I open the curtains? Oh, oh, the curtains. Got the curtains. Well, I'll oh, yeah. the yeah. I feel a bit better. If I can see outside the building, I kind of feel as though I'm, I'm sort of in Dickensian mm. London. Yeah, you realise there is a world out there. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> anyway, we've got a lot to get through. We'll have a chat to uh, Nathan Morley. I can't remember where we got to with Nathan Morley's saga the other week on the programme. And he was... Was he still drinking? Was he not drinking? I've really... I've of lost... course he is. Well, I know, I know who he is. I think he has moved into the house. He yes. has got a swimming pool. It was chilly the other week. But now I think things are improving. So that's good. Uh, Ro- Roger Foss has moved job as well, since you were here last. Has he? Yeah. What's he doing now? Uh, he's working for uh, another company. And he's their chief theatre critic. And he does it online. And so um, we'll we'll f- can we find out the the website address from Roger because I can't remember what it is again, and we'll actually give it out to you a little bit later on. Plus, I can tell you we gave away five thousand quid the other week. Wow, five thousand pound in our how low, and how much did it go for? It went for how much did it go for? You have to tell me. I'm, I'm not psychic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's forgotten again. We think it was eight pound eighty nine p. I've never heard yeah, of an eight pound bid. No, that was very high. That was very high. That's what I said. Five thousand much. So somebody got it for eight pound eighty nine pence. How on earth you get it up that high? I've got no idea. I did laugh the other day. I did watch the Alan Titchmarsh show. I don't know if you saw it yesterday, Paul. I think he's very good. You know. Oh, I I, I, I like him. Yeah, so do he's, I. There's, there's a very dirty side to Alan Titchmarsh. He likes a bit of the old naughtiness. Does he? He loves talking about... Brrr, I'm trying to do an impression of a vibrator then, and it didn't work, actually. I don't know why. Because <laughs> when Julie Pease well, got on there... you're not used to the sound of one. Ju- well, I'm... I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> Julie Pease could. Talks about these things all the time. Little lovers and rabbits and all the rest. I mean, it's another new world for many of us. But anyway, yesterday, they had on Sue Carroll and Kelvin McKenzie. And they were talking, whatever it was that they, they were talking, they were doing something. And then uh, Kelvin McKenzie pops up again. They, they bring on uh, a florist. They camp their young man who starts arranging flowers and doing a little bit like that. And lo and behold, before your very eyes, Kelvin McKenzie, this is, this is one of Fleet Street's top editors from years gone by, turns up dressed as a giant Easter bunny, Kelvin <laughs> McKenzie, <laughs> and starts kidding? arranging flowers. So, I'm there, jaw on the floor, thinking, I've never seen anything like this. Kelvin McKenzie, quite clearly, you know, will do anything for the money. The next guest that comes up, after we've had the flower arranging and putting in some crocuses and things like that, and Kelvin's done it, on comes Dr David Starkey. Right. Well, as you know, Dr David Starkey is openly gay. Yes. 
and he said, I can't believe, he said, I've just seen a former top Fleet Street editor dressed up as a bunny. Is there no shame I in the man? I love David Starr. Oh, he's fantastic. He'd make a great guest, because you'd never mm. shut him up. Mm. I think he'd be brilliant. You brilliant. should try and get him on uh, in conversation. You know, he used to do a radio programme, not for LBC, but for another station. Yes, yes, I do. And some woman phoned up to him and said, she said, you, 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 you sound very effeminate. He said, my dear, I am very effeminate. <laughs> Put her in a place anyway, <laughs> very quickly. But he was very good. Talk about Henry VIII. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. And this sort of obsession which he has with Henry VIII, who was you know far far from the big romantic thing that they sell you on the screen of Henry and the wife going, "I love you." All he was thinking about was how to execute the women and get rid of them as quickly as possible. Makes you think, doesn't it? Why? What? Why he wanted to execute them? Yeah. Because Obviously. he he's, he fell in love with somebody else, or he fancied somebody else. Yes, but it, it, maybe it goes a bit deeper than that, you know? Yeah. Because, uh, obviously, he, he had to uh, produce an heir to the throne, mm. and he wanted to get that over and done with as quickly as possible. Makes you wonder. The trouble is, he was huge, wasn't he? I mean, he he did look like a little not, Eamon Holmes. Not, well, no, he wasn't. He, be think, he became huge. Yes, because at Hampton Court Palace, they have all these yes. clothes, and they progressively get bigger. That's right, mm. that's right. He I wasn't mean, he tall. started off like John Cushing and ended up like Nick Ferrari. Yes. Yeah. Did he have glasses? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just so funny watching David Starkey talk about it and being and being more shocked by the fact that Kelvin McKenzie had sort of, you know, dressed up as an Easter bunny. You think, how the mighty have fallen, poor soul. You know, what What would you like to do? Oh, I'm, I'm a serious editor. I don't want to dress up as an Easter Well, you will be, otherwise you won't be appearing on the show again. <laughs> so that was kind of it, which was very funny. Uh, yes, yeah, so the winning bid was £8.83 right. for the £5,000, and it was at 8.16am... On Friday the 3rd of April. Somebody must be very happy. Somebody must be very, very happy. 5,000 grand. What a great Easter present. Oh, I could be happy with five grand, I tell you. Go away for Easter. I didn't get paid last month. No, I know, because you forgot to invoice. Forgot to invoice. Your fault. I was a few days late. Oh, yeah, I tell you, I had to think juggle. Think fun you can have next month. Well, in fact, I, I did say to my bank manager, I said, of course, it's going to look terribly impressive. It's going to look like Nick Ferrari's salary arriving in, isn't it? Just for that one month, it's going to look like Nick's. Double bubble. Double bubble. Yeah, but I've had fun. a very lean month, this, but as you've noticed, we've had to economise on the strawberries. Yes, I bought a whole pack. Even the hot cross buns are minis. Even the hot cross buns are small ones. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't get my cup of tea. I was going to ask Chris Hubbard if he'd sort of throw down a cup of tea. I've, I've got I've got my cup and a tea bag on the desk, and I thought I, I could perhaps do him a deal if he's listening to the programme and he feels like making me a cup of tea because I'm a bit a bit dry, Chris. You know the feeling. Uh, and I could come round and lay your turf for you, or failing that, I could do you a nice line in a, in a couple of um, couple of. Uh, hot cross buns, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not appealing to you in any way, shape, or form. Oh, you are. Or, I'm sure you're appealing to I'm the listeners. Appealing. <laughs> I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not begging because I'd, I'd hate to be seen as a little pleader. But you've got the cup. <laughs> Talking of which, I did find a mug in the toilet, so you do have one once we've washed it. Do you know the mugs? Somebody's eating mugs in this building. I've never known anything like it. I'm going to have to check with with Bill and Doris up in the canteen to see whether they end up up there. Half the Steve Allen bitches back mugs. In fact, tell a lie, three quarters of them have vanished completely. You sold them, didn't you? No. Well, I brought over a box full. I brought over a case full of them. Vanished. Vanished off the face of the earth. Where do they go to, these things? Maybe it's somebody from another radio station <laughs> hiding them. Well, I do hope so. Uh, actually, we, we, we talked about Richard and Judy the other day, because Richard Madeley and Judy Finnegan's audience has dropped even further, and their book club is now suffering. But they did have a man on there. Uh, who turned up saying that women can have this fat-busting treatment. It was an injection, and the fat would dissolve. 
and it turns out that it doesn't, but he appeared on Richard and Judy's programme saying that it did. He's been ordered to pay £800,000 for selling disfiguring treatment. Uh, 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 guidelines there for anybody in this uh, sort of business taking people on face value. Yeah, we talked about something like that, didn't we? Uh, you have to be Some very careful with what you can say. Yes, You, of you can't you just do. have somebody on saying, have this injection, the fat will fall off, because it doesn't. I'm, I'm sure we did a story on, on, a, on a drug that was supposed to have done that some time ago. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and, uh, of course, you saw the, the mail yesterday with that stupid woman with the sunbeds. No. You didn't? No. Oh, the uh, headline on the front page of the Daily Mail yesterday, Tanorexia. Tanorexia? Tanorexia. This, this woman has got skin cancer, apparently, from using a sunbed, so they reported. They did a double-page spread inside. Good Lord. And what she'd done is that she was hooked on sunbeds. And uh. sunbed shops will not treat you... Every day. Hmm. This woman had registered with four different salons so that she could go from one to the next to the next to the next. Oh, right. And, um, and it also turned out that she had a, a rare skin condition, which, by the way, was on the, on the second page at the very bottom. You know, you had to read the, the, yeah. the whole article before you found out the truth behind it. And, and the Daily Mail was going, don't use sunbed shops, they're bad for you. Actually, sunbed shops are, are prescribed by some doctors for mm. certain conditions, like psoriasis. They, they, they I help get psoriasis. psoriasis. Have a sunbed. Yeah. You know, but I can't, it, actually. And I'll tell you why I can't have a sunbed. Diabetic. Because I'm diabetic. Yes, that's right. You've no idea the effect a sunbed has on me. No. Oh, absolutely. It's, go it's, red. I go red and, yeah. oh, God, the pain. Yes. The pain, yeah. it really. It, I don't know why. Why but is that? all these things are, are, are about doing it responsibly and, yeah. and little and often and, and all of that. And, and my sex and life. taking, what is it, little and <laughs> Little often. and often. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, doing it properly and, and taking the advice of people in the, in the shop. Yes. Don't just, but that's why, you see, she was cheating. She was go, she'd registered with four different places. That's right. That's it's, like, right. it's like going into a doctor's. You have to register. I wonder how many people go and register with different doctors so they can get lots of tablets. Elvis Presley used to. Yeah. Elvis Presley was registered with lots of different people so they could get loads and loads of tablets. So if he went away, any normal doctor would have said, no, you're not having any more tablets. So they, they had crates of the bloody things arriving in. Small wonder this, this poor man didn't live long enough. He, I mean, admittedly put on loads of weight at the end of his, uh, his life. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We're going to weave all your texts and emails into the programme. Plus, we've got a how low. To, what are we offering today, ladies and gentlemen? I can tell you, in the LBC how low goodie shop, it's an Apple MacBook. Well, I'm not giving that away. There's no, no danger of that happening on this programme, I'm afraid. Not this morning. You just have to put up with me and Paul and uh, an, an Apple MacBook. It's just ridiculous. But hopefully, you think it, you like it? I love it. It's too Apple good Max. to give away. It's too good to give away. I'm I not giving it away to people. People don't deserve it. I know I've got to, but I mean, I, I really protest every. I keep writing don't to them. hide it. Should we, we hide it? Don't, don't let him near it quickly. Listen, 5.15 is the time. It's Thursday morning. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. These are the headlines. Assistant Commissioner of the Met Police, Bob Quick, is under increasing pressure to quit. It's after a series of terror raids were brought forward after he was photographed arriving in Downing Street, showing documents clearly marked secret. The police watchdog will interview the officer seen striking Ian Tomlinson, a man who died during the G20 protests in the city. And large schools should have their numbers capped to ensure pupils get the best possible education. That's according to the Association of Teachers and Lecturers. Check on the roads for you this morning. Let's have a check. It's Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. Uh, M20. 
Got me tea. Got me tea. <laughs> All it cost me was two small hot cross buns, worth the every penny. Power. The power. The power the you wield around. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, I'll just have a quick check, actually, on Henry VIII. I can't remember how many of these uh, poor women he actually got rid of. Uh, so he was Lord of Ireland. Six wives. Six wives of Henry VIII. Wait a minute. He got rid of five of them. Yes, no, two Before. of whom were, were beheaded. Yes. And the two who were beheaded were... Anne Boleyn. Yes. And another one. Who was the one who cheated on him? <laughs> there was one who cheated, wasn't there, and I can't remember. And she treated, cheated on him with, I think, uh, Thomas Culpepper. Was that right? I th- I'm pretty certain. Execution of Anne Boleyn... Uh, she was, uh, all of her, uh, Henry and Anne reportedly decked themselves, because after Catherine of Aragon died, decked themselves in bright yellow clothing. Yellow was the colour of mourning. You know that. I don't know no, where it be- I didn't. I don't know where, where it became black. But uh, and she, she was executed on Tower Green. She knelt upright in the French style of execution, because the British style was leaning over the block, which you can still see at, uh, at the Tower of London. But the other one was where you just knelt upright and the head came off with one single blow. In fact, a single stroke it came off with. But, uh, interesting, his, his over... When he, he died, 54 inches was his waist. My 54 inches, it's quite big, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he suffered a leg, ru- uh, leg wound. That prevented him from exercising and gradually became ulcerated. And he expired soon after uttering the words, Monks, monks, monks. I don't know whether he was calling out the bingo numbers or whatever else. Uh, And, of course, he wasn't supposed to be king. No. His brother Arthur was supposed to be king. Doesn't sound the same, does it? Arthur. I don't know King Arthur? Yeah, King Arthur. Who was the one who burnt the cakes? Round table. That was, um... Yeah, that was a myth, Alfred. Alfred. That was a myth. Oh, was it? Was that the Battle of Hastings? No, that was 1066. Yes. Um, Yes, that was Harold lost... Apparently, that's when our lot came over from, uh... Yeah. From Flanders or wherever the Sabres are from. Oh. It was 1066 to fight the Huns over here. Do you know, I would, would you not love, if there was a machine <clears throat> in Leicester Square that you could walk into and you could dial a year to go back to and you could stay there for an hour and have a look around, what year would you go back oh to? Oh, Lord, I'd queue. Um, I, oh, many. Many yeah. I'd like to have a little look at. I'd love to, I'd love to go back to London to, to see what London was like in, I don't know... Even the 1700s. Oh, yes. yes. Just to see what, what the streets were Even like. Victoria's time. Victoria, yes. Because the the, uh, the innovation and the, the growth that was going on in Victoria's time was just incredible. Would we have been rich in, the, in those days, or would we have been... No, we've never been so rich as we are now, despite the fact that we grumble all the time. Yeah. Would we have had houses? Because it's very interesting. No. They, they were talking about uh, a widow's cottage the other day. No. Because you, it was you know, you wouldn't be doing a radio show because there wasn't radio. I might have invented it. You, know, you might be offering a th- threepenny knee trembler somewhere just to get a bed for the night. A threepenny knee trembler? Excuse me, <laughs> matrons. Family programme. Nobody had threepence in those days. That was, <laughs> was two it, goes. Was it a penny? Yes. Hello, dearie. Hello, dearie. But it's very interesting. Buy, they had a pub the other day. And it was built on the site of a widow's cottage. Mm. And in the ceiling of the pub hang hot cross buns. Yeah. And they've got more than 300 of them. 
because the widow, her son disappeared, and so she made him a hot cross bun. It was traditional for people to make hot cross buns, and uh, he didn't come back. So every year she made a hot cross bun and hung it up, hoping he was going to come back. When the house was demolished... She lived a long time. She was 300. Very old, old crone. (laughs) But they, they transferred, so 300 years, 200 years on... They've got all the hot cross buns that she made, plus they've, they've kept the tradition going. Oh, I see. And they hang in the ceiling of the pub. That's and sweet. It yes, is. I've heard about yeah. this. you've said this. And I, you, I, they always make one about. every year and always hang it up. It's in London, yeah. Oh, London is full of this history, my dear. Good heavens above. And stay no hot idea. cross buns. Yes. I'm really not happy about doing this how low today, but I'll have to do it in a minute, because otherwise I'll get into most dreadful trouble. Uh, the Cash Kings. The recession isn't hurting everybody. It was a lovely feature in the paper the other day of, uh, of, of what, what people are worth. Uh, for example, uh, John Caldwell, who's had the, uh, the phones for the mobile phone company, he's worth £1.4 billion. Now, he has a wife who unfortunately looks like a bit of a bimbo. I mean, I don't, I don't want to do a disservice, but she's bleach blonde, showing the waist off, and with the breasts out the front. Well, I mean, it does look like... happy together, oh, that's what Yes, I mean, what was it about the £1.4 billion John Caldwell that attracted you to him? Well, you don't know. She might have been with him before he made his money. Yes. I just think it's a lovely picture of her. (laughs) And she does look like the kind of thing that adorns rich men's arms. But there's other people here. I mean, I think it sounds more if you've got 840 million. Roger and Peter DeHaan have got 840 million, and I think that's quite nice. However, Ernesto and Kirsty Bertarelli have got... Sorry, quite nice. How much (laughs) do you think they've got? Compared to John Caldwell's 1.4 billion, Ernesto and Kirsty have got 5 billion. 5 billion. Which is, which is not bad. I think they are the richest. Sir Philip and Lady Green, 3.83 billion. What have, do- what have they been doing? I don't know. They're obviously not working hard enough. Of course. He actually run, runs a very tight ship. And uh, Mo Ibrahim, uh, he's worth 300 million. They almost seem like paupers, don't they, if you've got 300 million? Imagine, yeah, if you had 300 million, you'd be very pleased. One person last night won, won the lottery. 11 million. I'm so happy for you. I really, I couldn't be more thrilled if I tried. And you've checked your tickets, I gather. <laughs> no, I haven't. Well, it might be you. <laughs> I shouldn't think. If it, it is, could be you. If it is, can you imagine? How how lovely would that be? How lovely, Paul, Steve. There's a Romanian groom here. A what? A groom. A groom. All right. And he's trying to pay for his marriage by selling advertising space on his wedding tie. Oh. His name is Tudor Kiora and he's from Cebu and he set up a website for bidders and reckons that he'll easily pay for the ceremony and some special presents. Companies can pay 20 euros for a slot near the top of his tie, 15 euros for one in the middle and 10 to have one at the bottom of his tie. Uh, He's got a website and uh, it keeps a running um, order of total bids. He said, hopefully we'll raise enough money to buy a new car as well. They must be very cheap in Romania. The things people do now... Do you remember there was that girl... We've had a couple of girls now who've sold their virginity online to fund their education. In simple terms, they're prostitutes. That's all they are. But, but we, And then they turn up on television programmes. I'm, I'm going to sell it to the highest bidder. I want it to be a special experience because I want to fund my education. <laughs> do what the rest of us do, darling. Get yeah. off your lazy little bottom and work. Yes, I'm sure there's one or two that have sold their virginity several times. Well, I'm quite sure. Well, in, in Japan, there is an operation to have it put back. As really? It were, because it's, it's considered... Um, not very nice. Japanese men only want to marry virgins. They don't want to marry anybody else. So a Japanese doctor invented a, uh, a way of restoring the aforementioned virginity. How it works, I've got no idea, because I'm not a woman. 
Well, not not today. I mean, when I go home this evening and become <laughs> Doris, I mean, that's completely different. But let me tell you, for the purposes of the programme this morning, I thought it was quite a good idea, because nobody would know, would they? You just have to... Well, you're Doris. Did I'm Doris do when, now. I, when I go out in the evening. <laughs> Doris Stokes. Anyway, uh, morning if you have just joined us. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nice to have your company. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, one here that says, Can you ask your bosses to stop playing the repeat shows, not in conversation... But the best of shows. We have the best of Nick Ferrari, which is like saying we're going to have the best of Holly Willoughby's presenting. <laughs> oh, I like listening to that. You see, I'll tell you for why I like listening. He says, I also have the best of show on a Saturday. And uh, please advise your bosses. I can only assume other people don't like these repeats. Well, do you know, it's strange enough, they do. And it, it, it's demonstrated in the, in the audience figures. I mean, you do get a repeat of In Conversation. It goes out on Sunday morning and, and then so later on. And you should. And nightly. Yes. And the only reason you actually... Yes, I agree with you totally. I mean, I'm all in favour of that. And, and then you get the other shows, which are, are put out, sometimes overnight, on Bill's programme. And that's for the simple reason that anybody who does overnight, you want to have a little break. So we're assuming if you're listening at ten past four in the morning, you're not going to have been up to hear either Petri or, you know whale or somebody like that or o'brien so that's why you get little bits and you do get the best of nick during the week which is carefully edited and put put together and that goes out over the weekend and i like listening to that because if i've missed it during the week when i'm traveling home i like to find out what, what's been said on different subjects so the the, the best off programs you'll find everywhere the one thing you don't find though unless it's absolutely necessary i mean I've, i think i've featured on most of the repeats when lbc used to have what was commonly known as an emergency tape so, in other words, if all of a sudden the system went down, a tape kicked in. I mean, it's, now it's on the computer. And it would play out an in-conversation. I think we had one of them went out about five times. <laughs> Even I was bored with hearing it by the end of it. Anyway, do you have a quickie you can chuck us? Uh, yes. There's a, a cat in China and has adopted two orphaned puppies, and it's teaching these puppies how to catch mice. Oh. The female oh. cat... <laughs> female cat yeah. called Tom... <laughs> there we go. It's got an identity crisis <laughs> as well. Uh, nurses the puppies and washes them with her tongue. Owner Mrs Shen, who lives in Umarachi, said the uh, the puppy's natural mother, Mau Mau, died during uh, delivery a month oh. ago. She hoped that Tom might take care of the puppies as she's just given birth to three kittens and, had to be, uh, and was close friends with the dog. Um, we didn't dare put the puppies in Tom's basket first, but uh, just outside it, unexpectedly, the puppies crawled over to Tom and started to fight for breast milk with the kittens. She said Tom was treating her adopted children very well, even feeding them first before the kittens. And each Too day, to do otherwise. <laughs> uh, yeah. And each day, Tom was trying to show the puppies how to catch mice, including how to jump onto the sofa and hide in a corner before pouncing on them. <laughs> How many mice has this woman got in her home? Well, this has is she it. overrun with them? Obviously, perhaps they are not family. anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. Actually, there was a, there was a story the other day of a of a dog that had uh, fallen overboard of this this couple's yacht. Yes, and and they thought they're never going to see it again, and it swam something like twenty miles. And it swam to an and it swam right over the dam, yeah. but it swam twenty miles. They thought they'd never see it again, and it existed by killing baby goats and koalas. Amazing. Is that it? This is it. Right. Yes, I, I pulled it out yesterday. Amazing story, isn't it? Already. Uh, Peter's just been through Westminster on the bus. About 20 police vans full of police on duty looking after the Sri Lankan protesters. Still there, I believe. I think yesterday it swelled to 5,000. And then overnight it goes down to a few hundred. Uh, to be honest with you, I've got no idea how many people are there at the moment. Don't you think? Don't you think demonstrations in London are getting a bit much these days? I do think we have to put up with a load of old rubbish, I'm afraid. But yeah, I'm not talking about the, the, Tamil, pro mm. the Tamil protesters in particular, but... Um, just 
Just generally. I know. Wait, why can't they go and do it in Birmingham or something like that? Why do we have to suffer all the time? We're nice people in London. LBC 97.3. Richard L- Morning, everybody. That, um, Widow's, uh, pub, or the, the, the pub, is called The Widow's Son. It's in Bow, known locally as The Bun House. Well, the Bun be. House. So says Penn, exactly. So it would. And, um, another one here. The way to remember the wives of Henry VIII is this. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, something. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> that's Diane. So that's how you remember it. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded... Something. Survived. Survive. Oh, survived, is that? Survived. Oh, right. Catherine Parr survived, did she Right. Not? So there you go. Catherine of Aragon divorced. Anne Boleyn beheaded. Catherine Howard beheaded. Jane Seymour died in childbirth. Anne of Cleves divorced. Catherine Parr outlived him, says Marion. You mine of information, you. You mine of information. Adam of Mayfair met Mr Boletti. What a nice guy. He said, uh, you know, it'd be nice if people are pleasant. Mr Boletti is regardless of wealth. Simon in Oxshot says, I've just seen the new photos. Not impressed. Who took them? The police. <laughs> the old one, you know. It's often, you know, you often see police wanted pictures, don't well, you? Well, I saw They have a wanted well, picture, I you think? Yours why didn't you think Why didn't you keep them in there? Well, the only person doesn't. Everybody loves them. Really? Everybody loves them. I think that's an insult. No, no. I, I just thought the old ones were better. I tell you who does look good in his pictures is Andrew. Pierce. Oh, but he was in makeup for two hours, for God's sake. You've no- in fact, at one point they had to say, we're not going to do any more. And he said, I insist... More ma- so he just sat there. Oh, never seen such a tantrum like it. Oh, I mean, I just said, get on with it, Andrew. For goodness sake, he walked. I thought Jordan had walked in. I had no <laughs> idea it was, until he put the male clothes on. It was Andrew Pierce. But anyway, uh, over to Nathan Morley in Cyprus. <laughs> yes, you can borrow my makeup on your next session if you <laughs> oh, want. Not you as well. <laughs> oh, don't want any more Photoshop things. It's, I've decided it's worth investing time in. If you if these things are going to be posted on the internet and this is how people are going to see you, at least put a bit of blusher on. You know, yeah. comb your hair. Get it done properly, because if you look a bit naff on your photo, yeah. that's, that's, you know, it's going to last forever, <laughs> I think. Yeah, but to be honest with you, I've had so many pictures taken over the years, it makes no difference, because I go out and people go, you're so much better looking than your picture. You well, see, so... it's true with you. Yes. You're un- unusually good looking. <laughs> How would you know? You've never seen me well, in I've flesh. Seen, I've, no, I've seen your, pic- I've seen your picture. <laughs> The one with you standing with your leg up, hanging over a bridge. <laughs> you're very bitter this morning. I don't know where you're getting this from. It's not nice. <laughs> I think it was probably a protected area of the LBC website. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I, tell you, I can remember walking down from the studios to have that done, and it was taken on Blackfriars Bridge. I can remember ah, it right, as if it was yesterday. Unfortunately, it was about 30 <laughs> years ago. But I, I remember it very well. Yeah. I had long hair well, then, it was fa- fairly an attractive... Unfortunately, it was a bit of a windy day, so my long hair had sort of blown, mainly into the water, I'm afraid. <laughs> I did someone manage to pick it up? <laughs> but it's a lovely picture. When I get the it's regained the connection list. to the internet, I'll, I'll have to look at your new pictures, you know, and, um, uh, and see... Because I remember years ago, you posted one of you in the 70s or 80s, do you remember, hmm. when they did that kind of LBC anniversary thing? Yes. And you had a full of original Steve Allen, I own it and grew it hair. And I remember being mightily impressed by that. Then five <laughs> years later, the next picture, you look more like Brian Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible thing to say. I'm quite, I quite mean, hurt by this. So is Brian Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Hayes will be suing. So anyway, what, what news from the other side of the pond? Well, there ain't much going, and I'll be honest with you, there hasn't been. It's been a very slow news year, other than 
A couple of reports this week came out from the UK saying that despite the credit crunch and despite the fact that everybody's tightening their belt, Britons still want to go abroad and they still want to take a holiday. And uh, it seems that uh, holiday companies, even though they were kind of braced for a massive drop in bookings, it seems that things are bookings are going quite steadily. And, of course, the old favourites uh, are still there. Places like Turkey topping the list and Spain. Of course, more and more people avoiding countries which are using the euro. Mm. But uh, the United States, of course, with the dollar, fairly weak dollar, is going to be popular as well. Cyprus gets on there around eighth in the list, but of course, since we adopted the euro, more and more Brits shying away from it. But I think uh, uh, we're all a bit credit crunched out, aren't we? This is it. We hear so much about it every day. We say, oh, we just want to get on with life. <laughs> I think more and more people are just going ahead and booking a holiday. I know that mm. uh, uh, many of the high street shops, they did see a dip just after Christmas, but now yeah. I think it's starting to regain a little bit. I actually, I have to be honest, I've, I've been a bit guilty because it hasn't, it hasn't quite hit me yet, a credit crunch. Well, the credit well, crunch. Well, I'm not really sure, you know, what's supposed to happen. When you're worth millions, it doesn't hit you. I think it's a little bit like the, the millennium bug in yeah. the computer. We all waited for this thing which happened. would affect our lives. And it, and, and, and it just kind of passed by, didn't it? Yes. <laughs> we all waited uh, for it to happen, and you're right. It, it, it just went, has anybody got it? Did anybody have it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Has anybody got the credit crunch? You know, other than the... You, I think you, people with savings are the only people affected. And the people that have lost their jobs. Yes. But I, I think that the people that have lost their jobs in a great number of instances is because the, the companies are taking <laughs> advantage of the apparent yeah. uh, credit Absolute, crunch to, yeah. to downsize and get rid of the, yeah. uh, the, the yeah. uh, overemployment within well, the company. Well, to be honest with you, a lot of companies are overstaffed. Yes. I mean, to be honest with you, I would go through the BBC with a fine tooth comb and I would get rid of <laughs> thousands of people, <laughs> if not millions, <laughs> because they have radio programmes that are so overstaffed, it's just a plain embarrassment. It really is. I mean, the, the normal programme... This is a commercial radio station. So, in other words, there are two of us on it. There was yeah. the producer who drives the programme and there is the presenter. The equivalent on the BBC would have between 15 and 20 people working on it. And you have to ask yourself the question, you're funding it. It's about time that we started picketing the BBC and getting rid <laughs> of these, these programmes which are so overstaffed. It's ludicrous. Total waste of time. Which station are you talking about in particular? National networks? Because I, I, you're right. I've, I've, I've been on BBC local radio. Mm. And, and even local radio, like Good Morning Devon, yeah. has yeah. about four or five staff on yes. it. Yes. And you think, you know, there's only a pig farmer listening to this. <laughs> Good morning, <laughs> Devon. Yes. Here are you the know, sheep prices. Or, or, as you know, my favourite is, is Radio Humberside's fishing reports. Yes. Which I think has a, has a small team of staff keeping their eye on the trawlers in the River Humber. <laughs> Dreadful waste. The trouble is, we shouldn't laugh because we're actually funding it. Mm. The money that we give, know, although it has been mooted that some of the licence fee that the BBC take in should be given to commercial radio and television. Of course it should. So that they can make programmes yeah. as well because everybody, the, the BBC don't <laughs> need to worry. All they have to do is just put up the licence fee and we have to cough up for it. Well, we should turn it on its head, really, and make the BBC a commercial station so they have to fight for their, uh, their own survival and get rid of this ludicrous... Well, fee that we pay for receiving signals. Yeah, it's tough. And how, how, how is you're that, right. that going to be policed these days with all these handheld devices and and, well, and all of that? You can watch BBC on the on the um, on the internet. Mm. Well, on, well on the other hand, it's, it's a ludicrous salaries. 
Well, you've hit the nail on the head. That's the problem, isn't mm. it? You've got networks like Radio 1, uh, where you could take just three of the presenters from Radio 1 and Radio 2, and it amounts to about three or four million pounds in salary. Yes, yes. I mean, that is more than, uh, to, than it costs to run a small local radio station in the provinces per year. So we've got to ask the question, you know, why are we paying such an enormous amount for people like Moyles and Wogan mm. on, these, on these massive salaries? And they only they literally park in, do the show, and, and drive off. And well, what's going known as show and go presenters? I they don't know. actually have anything to do with it. They just turn up. There's a whole team of people who've sort of got the funnies. They've all got sidekicks and things like that, and so they mm. all get paid. I mean, I wouldn't like to imagine. They, and strangely enough, on many of the shows, they've actually been listening to this show on their way in, so they can pick up on some of the stories we do. And they go, "Oh, Steve Allen was doing so and so this morning," because I can hear an exact repeat of my program later on spread across the country. Oh, why don't you invoice the BBC? Well, I feel like sending in <laughs> one, you know, to, to a couple of the programmes there that sort of nick our ideas. Also. But, I mean, to be honest with you, ITV are just as guilty. Fern Britain, yeah. £750,000 a year for presenting the small. Right. That's £60,000 a month. 60000 I would bend over backwards. Believe you me, I would Actually, bend over backwards. Over Blackfriars Bridge. Not much money. <laughs> 60 grand a month. 60 grand a month. She's only working a few days a week. Yeah, but if you, if you for, for a celebrity, which she is, if you, if you, if you cut that down per programme, that's not a lot of money. But the programme will actually get an audience whether she's doing it or not. Mm. That's questionable. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll wait I'm not quite sure about that. We'll wait Well, I don't think it's ever one. been proven that celebrities have paid a huge amount of money. On radio, yes, it, it certainly goes on the presenter. If people don't like, they won't listen. If they don't listen, it doesn't reflect in the figures. Mm. But on television, I think they just go, oh, look, because otherwise, you know, how is Eamon Holmes still working? He's never had a programme that's rated. All his, all his programmes <laughs> get very, very small audiences. And yet, strangely, they this grinning true. ape keeps turning up on everything. <laughs> I'm thinking you know, why? In, in my studio every morning. I have Sky News in in, in my studio mm. at, at, at the radio station, and he he wakes me up every morning. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I have to say, I've noticed he's losing a bit of weight. Really? Uh, yeah, because uh, when, uh, when, when, when is this? <laughs> this is this is the homes. I mean, I'm not kidding with you. A few weeks ago, he was enormous. Mm. And he's going to get married to that <laughs> thing he's been shacked up with for twelve years. That thing. What's yes. her name? Um, Ruth. Ruth. The only, the only they've been engaged for 12... They've, they've been living together for 12 years, and now they're going to get married. I'm thinking, what would be the advantage? <laughs> have you noticed he's lost weight since you moved? Yes. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you not got the TV on the wrong, um, on, on the wrong format? No. <laughs> and you know that he, he did a programme on weight loss, don't you? I, I heard about yeah. it. But uh, maybe, maybe I've got narrow screen, then. Yeah, because she actually <laughs> said to him on air, she said, it'll be quite nice for you to lose some weight. You've been saying for years you're going to do it, and you've never got around to doing it. But if somebody's paying you, then you do it. Didn't work the same way for him. he was very he? skinny, wasn't he? I mean, when he started, he was like a, a little rake. Used to be six pounds, um, three ounces. <laughs> but uh, he, he does do this Sky News breakfast show, as you know, mm. at Sunrise. Of course, the only reason people watch Sky News Sunrise is for Lucy Verasami reading the weather. Uh, it is the only reason everybody watches. Really, <laughs> Lucy Verasami. <laughs> Lucy Verasami. Oh, she's, oh <laughs> apparently she, she's a pretty weather girl. You see, I don't think I think we need to get away in this day and age and have women like Nora Batty reading the uh, the weather because then you'd be you'd be far more mindful of taking taking notice as opposed to going and not not even thinking about what they're saying. <laughs>
this, this <laughs> Lucy like woman. James there, cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> Lucy Viraswamy <laughs> sounds delightful, somehow, but you know, Just let's have somebody the name plain. Lucy Viraswamy. Yeah, but let's have somebody plain you know, on there. I think it's an insult he... to average ugly women out there who can't get jobs in television. Buckley was talking about <laughs> Ina Sharples earlier on. Now, she'd have made a great newsreader. Exactly. In you should hair, have Nathan. people on there who reflect Boom. what's out on the street, not this totty that you want to stare at, Nathan. I uh, no, stop, hold on. Lucy is not, even though she is extremely good-looking and, and is born to do television, she's also a graduate in meteorology or oh, something God, like that boring. and, and, and knows the back dull. end of the weather map. Oh, dear. They've all got to have that, <laughs> haven't they? They've all got to say, oh, I've got a degree in meteorology. Big deal. Ulrika Johnson made a very good career of lying on her back looking at the stars, and it didn't <coughs> halt her career, did it? <laughs> well, then, you know, I don't, I don't know if Ulrika and Lucy are in the same league. I mean... I do hope not. You, you've, got to, you've got to put Sky News on at five to eight and, or five to seven, you'll see what I mean. I can't wait for that. Heavens above, I've got a, I've got a top-rated bra- radio programme to do and, here. And, and by by the way, I mean, if she is listening, not using your your program as a vehicle <laughs> to get a message to her, yeah. please, please write back to me. Oh, for goodness <laughs> sake, honestly, go away, Nathan. It's an absolute <laughs> outrage. We're not here to sort of start picking up people for you. <laughs> Can anyway. I think her not? Uh, you're a married <laughs> man. <laughs> you being a married man with a... I mean, put it this way, does she know there'll be three in your relationship? You... <laughs> oh, no, sorry, four. You, the wife, Mr Chaz, and yeah. her. Yeah. Oh, and Caramel the Cat. Oh, and Caramel the Cat as five. well. Yeah, five, yeah. It's too much strain, it's, I think, it's, for us. It's crap, but there's a lot of love, Steve. Yes, that's what worries me about it. <laughs> Thank goodness you're that far away. Anyway, always a pleasure, Nathan. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Have a lovely day. Thank you, and you. Have a happy, happy Easter. Easter. Because it'll be Nathan will be trotting off to church now for forgiveness with a bit of luck. Uh, quarter to six is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC. These are the headlines. Twelve men are being questioned by police after being arrested during a series of anti-terror raids in northwest England. The Independent Police Complaints Commissions uh, to interview the officer, seen apparently pushing a man at the G20 protest in London last week just before he died. He identified himself after a video of the incident emerged. And the base rate of interest is expected to be kept at its record low of half a percent this lunchtime. The Bank of England's predicted to resist pressure for another cut. Let's have a look at the uh, roads for you this morning. I think quiet today. Hugh Broom. Thank you very much. Yeah, quiet at the moment. Maybe we'll get a bit busy later on. Uh... Phil and Clapham, good morning, says, did I hear you right? The dogs swam for 20 miles and survived by eating goats and koalas. What were they doing in the water? Well, they were with the owl and the pussycat in the beautiful pea-green boat. No, they were on the island that he swam to, so I remember the story now. All right. And, uh, and he survived by... How, so he's, but strangely enough, he, he developed hunting skills. For, well, you'd have to, survival of the fittest. And, um, because he tried peeling papaya and it didn't work for him. That's right. So he decided to go after goat. Yes, and his name was also Sophie Tucker. That's right. Named the dog's after the name was Sophie singer. Tucker. <laughs> but the interesting thing was, as soon as the owners found him again, he resorted to being a family pet. My advice is, be very careful if you've got a cat around. <laughs> Just, I mean, you know, they, I don't think they go from wild to domesticated, do they? Well, I hope not, anyway. Uh, 84850, uk. Paul. Steve. You saw I was reading that story I did. about the dog, didn't you? Well, exactly, but I'd already told you what it <laughs> well, was. Well, this story here <laughs> about fishermen in the Philippines who have accidentally caught and then eaten one of the rarest sharks in the mm. world. The megamouth shark is one of the most elusive species in the world, it says here. The one eaten by fishermen was only the 41st ever seen. The four-metre, half-ton fish was accidentally snared by fishermen trawling for mackerel off the coast of Donsol. 
A World Wildlife Fund representative said the shark was then butchered and its meat sautéed in coconut milk as a local delicacy. Oh, no. <laughs> Ironically, the coastal town has earned a global reputation for marine conservation. The campaign has recently convinced the locals to stop butchering giant whale sharks, which fed in nearby waters. The town prides itself on being as the whale shark capital of the world, and marine tourism is vital to the town's economy. The Megamouth shark is a fairly recent scientific discovery. The first specimen was found in Hawaii in 1976. Only eight Megamouths have ever been encountered in the Philippine seas. They have been spotted off California, Japan, Brazil, Mexico, South Africa and Australia. But now we've got one less. Oh... I just suppose if you're used to eating stuff like that, what can, what can you do about it? Uh, Daily Star today, um, I've got a story in here, I begin to wonder, because everybody else has finally decided to leave the Jade Goody story alone, because uh, I now want proof, I'm afraid, that every time we see a story about the mother or Jack, they're not cashing in on it, because otherwise that would be shameful. But now they're saying Jade Goody's dying wish was to become a waxwork at Madame Tussauds. Oh, God. Yes, what a load of old oh, rubbish. God. What a load of old claptrap. The telly star is to be immortalised at Madame Tussauds after public demand. What? Well, if you read carefully into the story, uh, a spokesman at Madame Tussauds says, we have no final plans at the moment to feature Jade. We're certainly not discounting the idea. It's quite possible she will come to Madame Tussauds at some point, as all of the waxworks are made on the back of guest research and demand. Well, I don't have to point out the patently obvious, but having seen one of Jonathan Ross the other day, didn't look a bit like Jonathan Ross, I'm afraid. Mm. Uh, and also, the, the people who go to Madame Tussauds are tourists. Londoners don't go to it. I do. How many times have you been? You've queued? Um, no, no, I haven't queued, I, I have to admit. But I do like it in there. But you're right, when it comes to waxworks, they either look absolutely identical... Or... Or they just don't. No. And they, uh, publicist Max Clifford said he would love to see Jade at Madame Tussauds. It would be a great memory for the boys... No. Uh, apparently Jack was there the other day with some friends laughing and joking. It's amazing how he's getting over this, and good luck to him. But uh, I certainly wouldn't want to see Jade Goody at Madame Tussauds. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Jade's gran threatened to give Michael Parkinson a wallop. Charming family, aren't they? This is after Parkinson echoed what the rest of the country were thinking uh, when he said that uh, she was all that was paltry and wretched about Britain and nothing to be proud of. Unfortunately, it's been taken out of context, but you don't expect Sylvia to realise that. You need to read the whole article, Sylvia, to realise what he was saying was absolutely right. It wasn't a case of she was paltry and wretched and everything, uh, nothing to be proud of. It's a case of it sets the wrong example. She was nothing to be proud of. You know, you certainly wouldn't aspire to be Jade Goody. Loud, obnoxious, 50,000 complaints of racism uh, against Channel 4 for allowing them to do it. She was a product of the media. The media made her. Other, in any other country, they'd have just dismissed her as trailer trash. Yeah, Over here... They, they put her on the front of papers and she started believing that people were really interested in what she had to say. I'm no more interested in what Jade had to say than what Jack Tweed's got to say, a convicted thug twice over. I'm not remotely interested. I couldn't care less. He could eat humble pie for the rest of his life and it doesn't make up for what he did, I'm afraid. And following the story we were... Uh, following what we were talking about with Nathan, mm. uh, there's a piece in the Daily Express today that says BBC stars are to take a 10% pay cut. Are they? Apparently so. Like, like whom? Uh, Graham Norton. All right. Uh, Jeremy Paxman. Jonathan Ross. <laughs> yeah, on that huge salary, yes. what difference would it make? <laughs> <laughs> well, £600,000 less. Mm. You know, it's, um... 
So they're doing their bit. Oh, good. Bless well, that's them. nice. Nice to see that they're spending an, our money. But Jeremy Paxman, mm. who, who I think is much better than Jonathan Ross, is only on a million a year. A Com- million? A million! Compared with six... Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying only a million yeah. in comparing it with Jonathan Ross's yes. six million. See, but, I work on the assumption, if you work for a television company like, you know, BBC, ITV, Channel 4, whoever it happens to be, and they say to you, as they said to Carol Vorderman, OK, we're only going to pay you £400 for a programme, OK? Mm. You can do four of these, these programmes in a day. That's over one and a half thousand. By being on this, on this television programme that we're making, it's going to enable you to make more money because people will see you. We don't need to pay you £4,000 a show because that's a complete waste of money. Do you know how much they pay Graham Norton? Per show? No, a year. Oh, a year. Um, 2.2? It was two and a half million. Yes. yes. I don't think he's worth that. I, I really do don't. like him, actually. Do you? Hmm. I, think he, I think it's a one-joke show, and it wears a bit thin. But then wouldn't you... I mean, but, I've actually got a list at home. And I can't remember where I got it from now. And it's a list of all BBC uh, radio people's salaries. Oh, really? Well, and it I was, says... I was quite this, horrified. In this same article, it says that it's been reported that up to 40 other BBC television and radio stars on more than a million a year. Yes. 40 yes. on more than a million a yes. year. Name 40. On more than a million a year? Uh, name 40 on uh, BBC stars. I couldn't. Well, I, I'd have to think about it. Exactly. I'd have to think but about it. But there's 40. There's obviously more than 40 on more yeah. than a million a year. Well, I would think Dale Winton would be on more than a million a year, wouldn't you? Well, he's worth it. Yeah. Bruce Forsyth will be on more than a million but a year. But he's not a contracted BBC presenter anymore, is he? I think he still is at the moment. Is he? I think so, yes. Whether or not they actually do it through a production company, I don't know. Because Graham know. Norton owns his own company, doesn't he? In the same way that Paul O'Grady owns the company. He owns Olga Television, which right. makes the Paul O'Grady show. So, in other words, ITV, whoever it is, give him a lump sum, and he's got to make money out of that. That's right. Which, of course, is quite easy to do. I'm just sick to death of the Paul O'Grady show featuring the backroom staff. But I'm amazed that there's 40 on more than a million a year, because I, sure as eggs is eggs, Mm. couldn't name 40. I think a million is is too much. I'm sure that if somebody was doing a radio programme and you say, listen, at the moment you're on 300,000 a year, we're going to cut it down to 150,000, somebody's going to go, but you can't do that. You say, well, listen, if you don't do it, we'll find somebody else. It's as simple as that. I think think there should be a ceiling at the BBC, because it's our money. Hmm. It's our money. It's a total waste. I remember going to see uh, a certain radio presenter's show because he's a listener of mine, and I was amazed that there were more than 20 people working on it on a music programme. I was absolutely horrified that what do they do? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I couldn't quite get... I thought, you know, if, if you, I remember being a disc jockey years ago, and you, you pick up a record, you put it on the turntable, you queue it up, and you sit there and you talk. No, hmm. on this one... Somebody else put the records on and they talked, which means you didn't even have control over it. Then you had a runner, then you had a producer who logged it, then you had Sorry. somebody else who wrote down the intro, and it was just ridiculous. I remember going into, uh, taking an artist into, uh, into Radio 1 hmm. um, with, with Steve Wright in the afternoon, and there were hundreds of people running around doing yes. things. It was ridiculous. I had a, I had a, a producer on my programme years ago who went to the BBC, yeah. and working in commercial radio, you learn to do everything. You know, you sing, you dance, you tap dance, you push a button, you do an interview, you top and tail it, you script it, you know, you, you present it as a finished thing. And they would do three or four a day. At the BBC, all they were asked to do was one a week. One three-minute item a week. And for this, he was paid in excess of £30,000 a year. 
Time for a shake-up. Absolutely, absolutely. Time for a shake-up at the BBC. I think big time. A lot of people there. A lot of, lot of geriatrics working on the cameras. I think the BBC are the only people who employ a blind cameraman. I, I thought it was an April Fool's joke, but apparently not. They, they, they're an equal opportunities uh, employer. And they've got all sorts of people. What they do, I've got... No, how many were working on the lottery? I seem to remember... I nearly counted one time. I remember seeing the credits. Nearly 60 people mm, on I'm the sure. lottery. I'm sure. It's a phenomenal amount. Phenomenal amount of people. Mm, maybe you need that. I don't know. Because the, the lottery is a, is a show that's, that's unique. It needs to be um, monitored by adjudicators and things like that mm. to make sure it's, uh, it's run properly. So perhaps the lottery is the... Um, is the, um... What's the word I'm looking for? I've no idea. The exception, the proof. Oh, right, the, the exception, the rule. Oh, I see, OK. And, um, you know, but... Uh, but it radio is interesting, isn't it? Needs a radio a certainly needs, needs a shake-up, I think, especially when you consider that the BBC have got so much money, they've just knocked down most of Broadcasting House and put up some huge monstrosity mm. at the top of Oxford Street. I mean, it's just... And you think, who's paying for that? The answer is... We're paying for that. Yeah, sooner they shove the Radio One building. Exactly. Sooner they, sooner they shove them all up to Manchester, the better. Although some, of course, are not going to go. They're just they're hanging on for more money or a, a relocation allowance. I think it's LBC ninety-seven point three. It's coming up to six o'clock. A good friend of mine recently wanted to get an electrically operated recliner to make her. L- Morning, team. Nice to be company. It's uh, Thursday. I'm waiting for the sun to rise or do something. It's very dark out there. Very. Very lugubrious, I think, at the moment. Nice to be company, though. Welcome to Thursday. This is your last day if you're um, not working. Not working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very strange indeed. She's she's cropped up again. The nasty little piece of work that is uh, Alexandra de Gale. Do you remember Alexandra de Gale? Vaguely. Big I Brother contestant, a nasty little bully, a nasty vile piece of work. She's now complained. This must be about two years on to TV watchdog, she was misrepresented. She was made to look like a vicious bitch. No, dear, you weren't made to look like one. They can't make you look like one. You either come up with this or you didn't, and you did. She was kicked out of the show uh, for threatening behaviour. So there was no portraying you as any one thing. We know what you are. And um, she made made threats about having gangster friends. She was quite clearly a deluded child. But uh, she believed she was badly portrayed. So uh, she's written to uh, Ofcom about it. She said she was edited to make her look like a bully. No, dear, you were a bully. It's as simple as that. And thankfully you've disappeared. Brilliant. Can't bear people like you. We've had enough. You went on the programme, you signed the form, you know exactly how the programme works. If you don't, you're even more stupid than we thought you were in the first place. Nasty little piece of work. We don't want horrible children like you on the television. Do you know, I I saw a gadget the other day and I nearly bought it. And it's to have a 50-inch television in your pocket... What? Exactly. £300 gets you... Um, it looks like a projector. And it, ah, yes. And it fits in your pocket, and this one you can download onto the memory card, take it out, put it on its stand, project it onto the wall, and it gives you a 50-inch television. I know. And I was quite tempted by this. I don't so know why. why didn't you buy one? I don't know, because I thought it was £300. And because you thought you'd never use it. And because I thought I'd some never of use these, it. Some of these gadgets are absolutely wonderful and mind-blowing yeah. and mind-boggling when you look at them. But? You'll never use them. No, I know. You know, the, the, the only gadget... Are you totally convinced, really... though? Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Could I not but have it projecting onto the ceiling you know, in the bedroom? If you were running around the country doing presentations or, yes. or things like that, business presentations, fantastic. Yeah, but... But otherwise, what's the point? For an ordinary person like me. 
an ordinary person. Well, slightly ordinary. Uh, Thank you to Jan for uh, for an Easter card. Have my lovely uh, Easter card. Uh, Also, we we had one as well. We did. We did. I'll tell you who it's from in a minute. But thank you very much indeed to uh, Mrs Barter as well who comes from Sunbury on Thames. Thank you very much indeed for that. Always very much appreciated. And uh, Brian in Hampton Hill and Iris in Teddington. Thank you very much indeed. And from Kingston, uh, this one came in from uh, from Mr Sparrow. Thank you very much indeed for that. Noreen says, hopefully Paul is back and better. Yes, thank you, Noreen. He is. Uh, they're off to Milton Keynes tonight. Shawaddy Waddy. Hey, rock and roll. Fantastic. You'll have a great time. Yes. Great time. Meeting family for a meal before the show. I have to drive. Doubt, I doubt Brian will be able to drive for quite a while. And Paul, apparently, not this Paul, but another one, has put some clips from Tuesday's show with Alan on YouTube. Has he? I shall have to check out YouTube now and see what he's put up. If it's Alan's laughing again... Don't tell me it's Alan's laughing again. It probably will be. Oh, did he go off on one again? He, did, on went to, he goes off on one most days. <laughs> Every time he's in, he goes off on one. And he had he had a very strange, very strange one the other week. Anyway, uh, Susie, the tan lab in Teddington, says you're the only person I get out of bed for. I was quite flattered by that, actually. Generally speaking, I'm the sort of I, we were going to have, as I say, these badges made. You know, I've been to bed with Steve Allen. Yes, but more flattering is the only person I stay in bed for. Exactly. Surely. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> it's obviously not as flattering as I thought it was. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, Debbie Hud, who is Roy Hud's wife, yes. sent me an email. I tried to reply back to you, Debbie, but your uh, your email bounces back. And so, do you want to try me again with another email address? Because that one bounced back, I'm afraid. Uh, another one here. This is from Deb who says, uh, love your show, I listen between 5.30 and 6.15. Uh, I was wondering if you could please wish my partner, Shirley, happy anniversary. We've been together nine years on April the 9th and had a commitment ceremony three years ago. If you can do it about 6.30, as I know she's driving at this time. It's a shame it's 11 minutes past six, but I never was any good at times. So, Deb and uh, Shirl, hope you have a, a nice Easter break. Kevin James. Oh, Kevin. Kevin James sent us... Sorry? Nice. In Denmark. Yes. Kevin James yeah. sent us a nice Easter card. Says, keep your fingers crossed, we might even get some sunshine. You never know. So that's nice. Thank you very much indeed. And, uh, very nice indeed. Very nice. Now, now, I must do very quickly my how low. I do not want to do this. We're giving away too many nice things on this programme, and it's, I'm gradually getting a reputation as the boy who gets, you know, really nice prizes. So I'm not happy about giving this away. It's an Apple MacBook. Very nice. Stunning. Incredibly stylish. Plenty of space to save your music and your photos. 160 gigabytes you've got on this one. It's got an unbelievable, unbelievable five-hour battery life. And with it being so small and light, you can take it anywhere. Use it completely wire-free. Can be yours. Lowest unique bid will win. The lowest bid in pence that nobody else makes. Get these bids in by 7pm tonight. You text LBC follow by your bid in pence and send it to treble 821. So LBC, your bid in pence and treble 821. The bid will cost £1.50 plus your standard network rate. Lines close at 7pm today. You must be over 16. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. Good luck. It's a nice one. That's almost too good to give away. An Apple MacBook on the latest How Low from LBC 97.3. Paul. Steve, there's a terrible story in the Daily Express today about a a, a mother executing her son at a oh, firing range. This. Have you read this in the news, ladies and gentlemen? In uh, Casper, in Florida. Mm. Um, she she stood behind him when he was uh, on the firing range and shot him in the back of the head. They have pictures in the paper. Yes. Before he was he was on a firing range standing in one of these, you know, they stand in booths. In booths, that's right. He was aiming, she was behind him, aiming at him. 
Yeah. And uh, and executed him before killing herself. She thought she was the Antichrist, apparently. And uh, questions are now being yeah. asked why she'd been allowed to rent guns at the range where she was barred after attempting to commit suicide there. Listen, you know, I know it's it, a horrendous picture, isn't it? It doesn't make sense to me why somebody would do that. There was, we've had all sorts of these dreadful pictures. You know the, the two children who were in court yesterday while well, the papers have tracked down the mother who has now skipped off in her 4x4 vehicle uh, in between shouting obscenities at everybody. This is the mother of the two children up in court charged with attempted murder. And the, the family, apparently they had a bonfire in the garden before they left. Council have been trying to evict them for ages. They're obviously one of these, let's just call them for the purposes of this programme, troublesome families. I don't know why we get troublesome families. I don't know, you know, how you can be miserable when somebody gives you everything and you don't have to actually do anything for it. The rest of us get up in the morning, go off to work. There are certain people who have no intention of going off to work. They want to be given stuff. So this woman perhaps thinks it's very clever to shout obscenities and is probably a bit more blokey than even she wants to be. But she can't help it. That's just the way she is. She's not remotely interested in her two children up in court at the moment and all she shouted to neighbours and people standing there with, you know, the rude words. Mm. Not a very nice person at all. But don't worry, they get their comeuppance in the end. Uh, Gavin says, it's caught up with me. I'm going to be 40 on Saturday. Oh, so sorry for you. That's awful. 40. I can hardly remember being 40. Well, I, I told people I was 38. Somebody said they went onto the website. They said, you sure don't mean 58? And somebody else wrote the other day and said, you know, I've looked at early pictures of you on the LBC website, and I've looked at later pictures. What happened? <laughs> what happened? I ask you. I wrote back, dear ugly. <laughs> Heart attack, you know, usual sort of things. Anyway, uh, Gavin says, I'm off to Cornwall for the weekend to celebrate with family and friends. You won't celebrate, you'll be sitting around crying, because you're 40. 40. I mean, you're, you're halfway through your life, assuming you're going to live to 80. So, in fact, you might as well start slowing down and having a look at, oh, that's a nice plot to be buried in, I'd like to live there, you know. I've already bought mine. You bought it? Yes. Oh, you have a family plot? No, I bought one next to my parents. Really? Well, not, my, not, where not your mother. She's still not, alive. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> really? But that's where she'll be. Good lord! Yeah, I bought the one next next to Does it. It cost a lot to buy that. Um, five hundred pounds. Can think. you buy me one? Yeah, if you want. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Oh. Anyway, I just sort of check. You know, just want to make sure I get a, get a get a gift for Easter. You know, I've shared my strawberries <laughs> with you. You buy me a plot. <laughs> That's <laughs> how the programme works. I don't know if you've twigged to this before. Anyway, it's... Uh, it's how many places do you want to be buried in? I don't mind. Scattered. Listen, I want to be country. scattered. Which bit do you want in Wales? <laughs> Put me in an egg timer. Have me freeze-dried in a, in, a, in a familiar pose. I did say the other day... Not, I'd, not I'd, that pose, I'd, I would quite like to die on air, if only to confuse the Nick Ferrari programme. So when they come in, I'm propped up in the corner with an anorak over my head. And Nick will go, can we get him out, the studio? I don't want to do a whole programme. And then the anorak falls off. <laughs> smell. <laughs> exactly. It's not pleasant. He's been there for a week now. Anyway, six, uh, 16 is the time. Thursday morning, LBC. News headlines, Lucy Coward. Amo senior counter-terrorism officers under pressure to resign. And a very good morning to Roger Foss. Morning, Roger. Yeah, very good morning to you, Steve. Are you well? Oh, I'm very, very well, yes. I'm sitting here with my two champagne flutes, actually. <laughs> 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 two. I was... <laughs> It was in the in the goodie bag at uh, Mamma Mia on Monday, which celebrated its tenth anniversary oh. in London. And um, and you know you get goodie bags, and the goodie bag, this great big box, all wrapped up, you know. And um, opened it up, and there's two ABBA 
10th anniversary champagne flute. So here I am, nice. sipping champagne at this time in the morning and wearing my ABBA badges. And uh, <laughs> what else did they give us? Oh, some love hearts. Oh, love hearts. What did we get for the opening night? Because I've still got my opening night present. So have I. They gave us uh, uh, champagne, I don't know what you call them really, silver champagne bottle yes, top Yes, it was a like bottle top thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I've got mine. I've still got it there in the cupboard, and I keep, uh, every now and then, I, I get it out and look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what you actually do with it, you know. Well, you keep um, it because it's worth, it's worth money, I think. I, th- I suppose it would be, and I think they're actually silver. I think they are. Sil- silver plate or something like that? Well, no, I like to think they're pure silver. Oh, do you? Oh, right, okay. Yeah, Uh, and then they also gave... Do you remember they gave us little cameras as well, those little throwaway cameras? And uh, and I've still got that as well. Never used. Never used. Isn't that funny? If if, if you'd actually saved every programme of every show that you'd ever been to, you'd you'd be on the street because there'd be nowhere to keep this stuff. I started to keep all the programmes from the... Uh, Royal Variety performance, but frankly, it's such a big yeah. program. You've got no room for these things. No, you haven't. I mean, I, I've got, I've still got loads and loads and loads of them. All, all, actually, a lot of them stored under the bed of all places. Really? But <laughs> um, I, I give my programmes to uh, a place called the Ronald Grant Archive, which is a, a, a movie museum, but they also have a theatre department. So, you know, they store them away there. I mean, you know, for goodness sake, if ever I wanted to go and look at a programme that I, I picked up 15 years ago somewhere, I could mm. always pop down there. Yeah. Otherwise, they just sit there, don't they, storing dust. But, yeah. you know, and I'm sure there are people who collect these things too. Oh, God, yes. Uh, but I've kept my Mamma Mia original programme from 10 years ago. Uh, I've still got that. Yeah. Uh, and um, along with the silver champagne bottle top holder. And, um, and, and of course, the show is absolutely fantastic. It's like 10 years of Dancing Queen in mm. the West End and, you know, still going. And there was Benny and Bjorn, Bjorn there on Monday night on stage. All the, um, all the fireworks went off, you know. It was, and, of course, the show is all over the world. I mean, there seems to be... I'd forgotten there are international productions all over the place. Oh, yes, There's yes. something like a dozen of them, and they just opened one in, in Oslo, of all places. So... <laughs> Feel good factor. One of our bosses went, Jonathan, he, he came back, and he said, uh, really good night, really... You know, yeah. it, it hasn't dated this, uh, this piece at all. It hasn't dated. That music is going to last forever and ever and ever, isn't it? Mm. It's going to be the equivalent of what, what now would be old-time music hall songs, I suppose, in about... You know, in 15 years' time, you know, I'll be in an old folks' home. How, how many years? 20 years' time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I will be there sitting there doing the um, me, me, me Abba songs rather than doing My Old Man Said Follow the Van. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, 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 it's like that, isn't it? And all those brilliant songs, and it's a great script, and it's probably, surely... The best of all jukebox musicals, you know, the ones with the compilation. And it's also at the right volume. It's no good having it low volume. It's got to be hard-hitting, so when it starts off, you go, oh, that's it. It's like being in a disco. Yeah, It's like the... And and people join in, and and it's it's the clap-along show as well. Everyone claps along and get... You know, I look down the aisle, and, you know, one of the most amazing experiences, actually, I was sitting on the aisle, and I looked down, and you could see people's feet in the aisle... And nearly all of them were tapping. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> you spend a lot of time doing that, do you? <laughs> I do, yes, looking at people's shoes. I know they have to throw me out every now and then. But nevertheless, uh, <laughs> um, 
so great, great stuff in the West, and that's been running for all those years. And then, of course, this week, too, the National Theatre production of War Horse arrived in the West End at the New London Theatre. And this is just absolutely sensational. It makes you realise just how brilliant London Theatre is. Yes. I can't The puppeteers are brilliant you. in this. War Horse is unbelievable. Mm. I mean, the stars of the show are these incredible life-size puppet horses. Mm. And when I say puppets, you kind of think of panto horses, no, don't no, no. you? But No, no, no. These are made of... They're made of bamboo and fabric and things like that, but there's... On stage, there are something like three or four puppeteers who operate the horses. But you forget that there are people doing this. They're so lifelike. And, of course, it's that amazing story of this horse going from Devon, being commissioned into the, the First World War, going to France, and the boy who owns him going off to France, signing up at the age of 15 to try and find his horse that gets captured by the Germans. And it's just unbelievable. And you really do believe that these are actual horses to the point where I looked back there as I was leaving and I I looked round the back by the stage door there and I I thought I saw bales of hay there because they just look like absolute, you know, and and of course it's so moving to see uh, that the the, the main horse is called Joey and the first time you see him is like a a little colt being trained and everybody goes, ah, you know. (laughs) By the end, of course, you're all crying because it's like this kid re- reunited with this horse and they've both been through hell on the Western Front. I, I, I just, must see. It's absolutely staggering. And if, So what a contrast, you know, mm. Mamma Mia and all the great fun of that and War Horse, pure, absolute... I mean, it's the Horse of the Year show on stage. It's just fantastic. Mm. Have you been to the V&A yet? Yeah, I went to the, the new uh, performance gallery yes. at the V&A, and this is quite something, because uh, it's, it's the old theatre museum, yes, isn't it? Yes, yeah, and, they've, they've, they've and got that nice free. box that was in there, and it's free. It's free, you yeah. can go there, you see, you see everything from costumes that, you know, famous stars have worn to all sorts of bits of ephemera as well, mm. and old scripts and things that are fascinating and amazing theatrical stuff, including, I think I mentioned this once before, a board game. Which yes. is, I think it's called West End or, yes. or Stobies yeah. or something like that. Prince Litzler's West End. It must have come out in about 1949. It's a bit like Monopoly. Um, and, that, you know, so it's, it's got something for everybody in performance, not just theatre. So, you know, what they regard as, as performance could actually be uh, rock music. So there's Pete Townsend's guitar there you know it's mm. it's it's like that it's not just it's good stuff actually I great loved drama it. and serious drama just for the posh folk who, who mm. read the guardian it's, it's only because you mentioned yeah it's only because you mentioned the warhorse that when you go in there they've got a, a rhinoceros that features they, they have yeah. they've got this i've forgotten that it's it's a huge life it's not size. real of course no a huge rhino <laughs> i know and it had, it had and men in it to operate it but it looks so realistic it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that was in a production, I think, called Rhinoceros at oh. the Royal Court, I think. I, tell you the yes. other, I must tell you very, very briefly, the disappointing thing, I watched Alan Titchmarsh yesterday, mm. and apart from seeing Kelvin McKenzie dressing up as the Easter Bunny, which I thought kind of pushed the bounds oh, of credibility. Dear. Oh, dear. I thought, <gasps> anything for money now, he's got that, that desperate. But they had on, uh, we, we, were, we were told we were going to be treated to the cast of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, really? So of course, I'm thinking, how exciting is this? We're going to get to see the drag mm-hmm. queens on stage. No, not a bit of it. We saw the three women backing singers who oh, were doing no. a song. Boring as hell. 
boring that's as hell. Uh, the one thing that people want to see, it was described by Alan as camp, which of course it is. Unfortunately, yeah. the clip they had and the three singers who were singing live are just three women who yeah. were singing these songs. People wanted to see the drag queens. I thought, you've wasted an opportunity there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that's not on, is it? No. They, 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 the three girls come on and off, don't they? And they're well, very good they are, but down we wanted to see, like see the drag queens coming on in the outrageous costumes. You want to see all that kind of over-the-top stuff in Priscilla yes. and also Jason Donovan. Of course. <laughs> we want to see Jason Donovan with a bit of, bit of skin showing. You Absolutely. Know, a bit of drag. That's, that's what it... Not three women's... Because when they did the first song, I thought, any minute now the drag queens are going to come on. No, not a bit of it. No, no, no. I might, uh, there's, of course, drag all over the West End at the moment. And <laughs> I just heard that Jim Bailey... Do you remember Jim Bailey? I interviewed Jim Bailey who, once. Well, he's coming over in June to celebrate Judy Garland, the death... 40, is it the 40th anniversary of Judy Garland's death? At the, Something uh, like that. He always re- recreates her show at the London Palladium, which I've got on uh, DVD. Yeah. Somebody brought it yeah. out. Where, where she's late yeah. turning up. He he's, he's must be getting on a bit now. Uh, well, that's what I thought. <laughs> I didn't like to say the word veteran in terms of Jim He must be middle, middle 60s, mustn't he? I would think at the very least, I would imagine, yes. And, uh, yeah, and, and he was actually, um, you know, slightly getting on a bit when he was here yeah. a few years ago at the Green Room, that, yeah. that kind of club that, that was open. I had which... him in the studio with, with Barbara Windsor. So Really? Get, when, when you get um, somebody like Jim Bailey yeah. being interviewed, I, I always imagine, you know, especially on radio, they actually turn up dressed no. in, in drag. Sadly not, <laughs> it's, if, if only. Listen, I've got to leave it there, Roger, but lovely to talk, oh. as always. And you, yes, OK. Uh, don't forget, the new uh, website, whatsonintheatre.com, goes live on May the 3rd. Whatsonintheatre.com. And our Roger's heavily involved. Steve Allen talks theatre with the Society of London Theatre. <laughs> It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. LBC 97.3 at 6.30. Thanks very much indeed. 27 minutes to 7. Oh, look, the sun's coming. Oh, it's a murky old day, isn't it? Murky old day. We'll find out how the horse racing goes in a moment. Before that, all the sporting headlines with our sports editor, Phil Blacker. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, Good morning. Chelsea look to be heading for the semi-finals of the Champions League after a surprise 3-1 win at Liverpool last night. The Blues came from behind to secure a commanding advantage in the first leg of their last eight tie. Branislav Ivanovic was the unlikely hero. He'd never scored for the club before, but got two last night. This is my first goal and I'm very happy. And uh, we play like a team and this is a great win for us and uh, we need to continue to this competition. Didier Drogba was also on target after Fernando Torres had given Liverpool an early lead. The only downside for Chelsea was a booking for captain John Terry. That means he'll be suspended for Tuesday's second leg at Stamford Bridge. If they get through, the Blues are almost certain to face Barcelona in the semi-finals. The Spanish giants thumped Bayern Munich 4-0 in their first leg. Former Arsenal striker Thierry Henry amongst the goal scorers. Meanwhile, Carlo Ancelotti is widely reported to have agreed to replace Gus Hiddink in charge of Chelsea in the summer. The current AC Milan coach is said to have a gentleman's agreement with the Italian club that he can leave. And as promised, Blues owner Roman Abramovich will take over at Stamford Bridge as Hiddink returns to his full-time role with Russia. Manchester City represent England in Europe tonight. Mark Hughes' men are in Germany to face Hamburg in the first leg of their UEFA Cup quarterfinal. The first major of the golf season gets underway today as Tiger Woods starts his campaign to win the Masters for the fifth time. The world number one last tasted success at Augusta four years ago. He's not long since returned from knee surgery, but says he's in good shape. It feels like we haven't left. You know, it, it feels the same. I said, yeah, it feels good, doesn't it? And you know, preparing for this event and coming here, it, it, it feels the same, just like um, you know, any other major championship. 
The domestic cricket season officially gets underway at Lords this morning. Defending county champions Durham take on an MCC select side in the traditional curtain raiser. Former England captain Michael Vaughan will play for the MCC as he continues his push for an international recall. But Ken's Robert Key will skipper the side. And there are three race meetings today. They go on the flat at Folkestone and over the jumps at Ludlow and Wincanton. And we've got Steve Allen's racing tip next. Steve Allen. 2527. Mr Black is getting up for work on Monday. Oh, yes. Very dedicated. Absolutely. Need to be up early. There are seven meetings. Uh, <laughs> he said it will take an extra ten seconds to lift your pick from the AP website. <laughs> harsh. <laughs> He's harsh, isn't he? I mean, very cruel. There's a lot of bitterness going on in this. I can take that when I'm winning, but at the moment... It's, yeah, it's so it didn't so get well. any better yesterday either, I'm afraid. No, no. Had you gone each way? Yep. It's a slow process with you. I shall beat you down eventually, but, I mean, it's just... You know, I don't know how much you'd have got if you'd gone each Not way. Not a lot but, yesterday. Again, really? it, was, uh, it was quite short-priced. Okay, so Judd Street was third out of sixth. You lost two pounds. You're twelve pounds seventy-nine. Uh, Alex's Greenwich Mean Time fifth out of sixteen. Lost two pounds. Total lost twenty-three pounds seventy-one. So today we're off to uh, Win Canton. Thursday's loser, he says, is in the three fifty. <laughs> it's Al Floradora. Al Floradora. Nice. What I'm, do you fancy? I'm going to Ludlow today. Three o'clock. Mount Benga. Mount. <laughs> It's a joke there, isn't there? <laughs> Hello, I'm, I'm Benga. <laughs> Mount Benga. That's probably in a mountain range somewhere, I'm <laughs> erring on the side of caution. Well, we'll see how we do. So you're in uh, Monday. I am in my, I'm right. in tomorrow as well, actually. Oh, are you? Well, oh, yes. uh, oh he's got... Oh, I'm in, gee, I keep thinking it's Friday today. Tomorrow. I'm here yeah. tomorrow as well. Yeah. You're right, actually. So it's Friday, so we'll have the, uh, the race meetings tomorrow. But there aren't any, are there? No, I don't think there are There's any no tomorrow, race, so, Why yeah. is there no racing on Good Friday? You'd have thought that had been the time there would be races. Mm. Traditional. Uh, traditional, something like that. Anyway, all right. So we'll talk tomorrow? Indeed. Well, thank you very Thanks much, you indeed. Fun how we do. Just remember, we play for fun. Don't ever do it seriously. You'll be, you'll be out of pocket by the end of the year if you're not careful. Although there, was the, there is the family in the paper today, uh, and they had the message from one of their dearly departed, who told them to put money on the 100-to-1 outsider for the Nationals, so they put 250 quid on and they won 20,000. Fantastic. I'm so happy. <laughs> so you should be. That's great. It is very good, isn't it? Yes. £20,000, which is very good indeed. 84850, Steve at uk. Paul. Steve, a helicopter rescue team was scrambled after screams were heard from a German forest, only to find a man laughing his head off at a new book. Uh, the woman dialed 999 after she thought she could hear someone being tortured in the woodland near Elmstein, western Germany, but victim Robert Hoffman was astonished when armed police surrounded his car, which he'd driven into the forest, and ordered him to give himself up and release his hostage. <laughs> he told police that he'd gone into the forest to read in peace and quiet. Uh, they said, we realise that people think the sound of Germans laughing is unusual, but we're sure that the caller meant well. Ah, oh, that nice. Johnny says, with the recession in full flow, is it not time to put an end to the culture of bonus payments? Who actually came up with the idea of getting extra payments for doing something you already get paid for? Mm. Bonus payments. People do work, especially in the, in the banking industry, as you know, Johnny, when you, you, you get to the end of the year and the, the bankers, because so many of them are, uh, decide that they, ha they have to get the, these payments. And they rely on them. They rely on that yes, payment. And they look at it as part of their, their money. Well, this is it. You know, the, I, can, I can understand reward for, for exceeding targets and things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, 
the way the bankers have been paid, rewards for failure, I don't understand at all. Me neither. Uh, Good Friday tomorrow, says Warren. Only 15 days until the unveiling of the music legends of Eel Pie Island Heritage Board at Twickenham Embankment. Now, strangely enough, I was talking about this yesterday with the landlords of the Barmy Arms and of the Fox, respectively. And I don't think... You're on a pub crawl. No, 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 I wish I was. <laughs> I wish I wasn't on a pub crawl. <laughs> but uh, they're, at the moment, doing up the embankment at Twickenham. Yes. Well, the council seem to be taking people off it. There were three there yesterday. The foreman is going on holiday back to Romania today. It will never be finished in 20 days. They've got to plant out, put all the... It's, it's, it's a work in progress. It's going to take, I would think, at least another month... However, the unveiling will be uh, at 4pm, live music from 3.30. The unveiling by the Mayor of Richmond, some of the original members of the Yardbirds present, among the many other VIPs present, Dave Brock and Hawkwind, one of the legendary bands that played on the island during the swinging 60s. And there will be a live concert by the world-famous Yardbirds at the new live room in Twickenham Stadium. So if you want to know more about this, it's all the help of the Eel Pie Club based in Twickenham. It's Eel eelpieclub.com eelpieclub.com so uh, good luck for that that's Friday the 24th of April but I, I bet your bottom dollar it'll never be ready in time, never uh, Hugh says oh this is not, this is Hugh Broom has sent out something, have you seen this? No. Hugh, but he says, it's Easter, big letters I cannot run marathons <laughs> Yeah, absolutely so right there <laughs> and I'm assisting the fundraising efforts of the travel centre's very own J. Louise Knight. Eggs could well be in short supply due to the constant baking activity of Katie Greggs the Baker's Henderson. There will be limited amounts of eggs for sale from my small flock of chickens at home, priced at a charitable price of £2 per six. Have they gone already? He's then just arrived in. Oh, they've already gone? Oh, right. They're selling, they're selling eggs upstairs. I can't believe it. This is on the travel desk. They've, they've now opened a small farm shop. What's it's next? Apples and... Oh, there are two boxes left. Uh, sadly, I don't eat eggs. No, not much use to me, really. You lay a few. Sorry? <laughs> yes, I've, yes, I've laid a few in my time. Then we're back to, back to Phil's horse again, aren't we? But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Reminds me of another joke about chickens, which I can't tell you, which is, which is very funny and, <laughs> and not at all repeatable, but it doesn't matter because it's Thursday. Even though, strangely enough, I keep thinking it's Friday. Well, we can all live in hope this Friday, <laughs> but it's not yet. <laughs> uh, lovely one here, says Steve. All for a laugh. What a picture. The male online horses with hair extensions wearing hats. Yes, I've seen it, actually. Uh, what's that projector called? I think it's called I Want One of Those. The, the website is IWantOneOfThose.com, and you'll find it on there. Uh, Daniel in Sidcup is off to Spain. Said you fancy coming? Not to Spain. Dear no, not what today. I'm busy. I'm working tomorrow, and then I'm uh, away. Uh, tomorrow we've got a boozy lunch. Half of them will be asleep halfway through it, but no mind. At least we're going for the effort. And uh, then what's happening? Then uh, Saturday, probably going to go and see the Godchildren. Then Sunday, working in here, and then off to a fair. And then Monday, off to another fair. Try and do as many as possible, actually, over over Easter. Uh, Steve, where I work, the staff that work harder to reach the target, but it's the manager that gets the bonus if we achieve it. Ha ah, ah. ha. Erica in Loughton says. Uh, Stephen Paul, my friend and her new husband were given places in the family burial plot as their wedding present. My friend was horrified and swears she'll never use it. There's a spare place then if you'd like it for Easter. I'm not planning on going to, you know, over Easter. I was just thinking. Fucking <laughs> for Easter. It's lovely, um, but, isn't it? but does that mean you have to give it back? I don't know if you don't use it. Well, there is there is a cemetery in America where it's so expensive that you pay on a monthly basis. And if one month you don't pay, they dig you up and throw you out again. 
<laughs> it's that bad. The tube clip is very funny, says Catherine. So I, I don't know what you put in on the tube. I haven't checked it out on YouTube, but presumably you put in Steve Allen, Alan Dodge, and it'll be from last week, and it's either the laughing or something like that. It's bound to be. I've managed to find that projector online. By oh, way. have you? What's it called? Um, it's called the um, Pocket Cinema V10. And uh, it's on IWantOneOfThose.com. Right. Does it look good? Yeah, it does. I'm not going to use it. There we are. It's got a tripod as well. Yeah. I'm not going to use it, am I? I don't know. I'll have to think about that. No, one. you're not. No, you're right. Gilling, of course, I might buy one and just project it here on the wall so you can watch it. <laughs> Gillian Camberwell says, Say hello to my twin sister, Wendy. Wish her well. She's been unwell for a few days with a heavy cold. She listens to you every morning. Ha ha. I couldn't speak last week. He's heavy. My, I know he had the heavy cold. Completely. And yesterday, Bill Buckley was sitting in there wheezing and sneezing and germs all over the place. Honestly, thank goodness we all carry dental spray and we've got little masks and everything else. A bit like the Japanese. We sort of walked in there. I said, I'm glad I'm not in that side of the studio. I've always wanted to be nursey, haven't you? Do you know, strangely enough, when I, when I was young, I, I did have uh, one of those dressing up outfits. What, nurse? No, I was doctor. Oh. <laughs> why would you think I'd have a nurse? Anyway, let's move because on, shall I we? already mentioned nurse. <laughs> yes, you did mention well, nurse. <laughs> right, I don't know why, actually. Very odd. Uh, right, listen, we have to take a short break, because it's 16 minutes to seven. It's your last day at work, if you're not working tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only saying that now to annoy you. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. It is funny, yes. <laughs> Love you pointing out my mistakes. Not that I ever make any, and if I do, I try not to draw attention to them. No. So it's uh, coming up to quarter to seven, very nearly. News headlines, Lucy Coward. There's pressure on Britain's most senior counter-terrorism officer to quit. Our- Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. I see that uh, Roy Chubby Brown's son has been jailed for four years for drug dealing. Oops. A rather stupid child, if you ask me. And uh, and the other one here, oh, this is uh, Bono, who's put on a vast amount of weight, and there's something missing. His glasses. He claims that uh, he only takes them off on the beach, where everybody else wears shades. It's very surprising, isn't it? On the beach... He doesn't wear them, but he wears them everywhere else. Very odd. I think it's probably because he's actually quite quite ordinary-looking without them, but the glasses people recognise straight away. Uh, more on this, um, uh, these uh, children and their family, the ones who are up uh, on an attempted murder charge in court. And dozy BBC internet geeks infuriated Apprentice fans by revealing that uh, Majid Nagra was fired hours before the show was screened last night. Oh. So, I mean, who cares, actually? They're all geeks anyway. The old lot can go. More on uh, Jack Tweed, who has begged, now we're told, Madame Two Swords to make a waxwork of his late wife, Jade Goody. I think it'd actually be quite nice, Jack, if you actually got a job. And I'm oh, sorry, you're about to go to prison, aren't you? Not really much hope there, is there, of actually holding down a job of any sort. There was also in the paper the other day this uh, Harry Potter actor, who's now been uh, arrested by the police. He's grown cannabis in his bedroom. Oh, great. What's the matter with these people? They've all gone quite <laughs> balmy, haven't they? It's, they all seem to think... And Which good. One? F- Sorry? Which one? Oh, he, he plays a bully, ironically. Plays oh, a bully okay. in the Harry Potter things. But Andy Murray is pictured queuing up at the airport. He flew economy. And why not? Exactly. I quite, I quite like that idea. What's wrong with that? Well, I don't know. I it's quite nice. As you know, I drove to, uh, to Germany on, on Monday. I drove to Berlin... Mm. Um, to pick up a bit of studio equipment, and and then came back on Tuesday, and I, I saw something very funny. I have to tell you. Are you allowed to tell us? Yes. What is it? I was driving behind this lorry. Oh no, you can't tell us. You're no, not, not telli- that. Oh right, you're not telling us the town. No, don't worry. Oh no, no don't no, don't, no. don't tell us don't that for God's sake. No, no. <laughs> no, you know all everything in Germany is named after British names for body parts. But anyway, yes. I was following a lorry. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to tell that. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I was following a lorry. 
for the National German Tractor Museum. And I thought, why on earth would, would there be a National German tra- tractor, museum? tractor Museum? And obviously they'd been and picked up the, the latest treasure in this yeah. new lorry for their tractor museum. Well, don't joke, because Hugh, Hugh Broom's probably got one of these on his farm. What, a tractor that, museum or a tractor? We've probably got a tractor, Well, yes, yeah, so, uh, you know, they're useful things, but why would you want a tractor museum? Normal. He thinks this is quite normal. If you said to him, well, I've just bought a, a brand farm, new Massey Ferguson, he'd, he'd be down there like a shant. Well, you know, if, if you've got a farm, then you would have a tractor. You're talking about again. a man who brings eggs in to work to sell them. You know, next week we'll <laughs> have windfalls and home-killed beef, I should imagine. Oh, no. It's something to look forward to, no, won't no, it? No, 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 I'll walk no, into no. the newsroom one day and there'll be pigs and cows hanging from the, uh, from the ceiling. No. You know, home-cured, the little fires underneath to cure them. <laughs> Do you know what they've, they, they've just found? 97 years on, a sketch of the Titanic sinking. A mystery passenger or crewman made the pastel drawing. How? I've got no idea. Just stay there for a minute while I draw it. Oh, it's a very unusual picture, but it's it's a case of, is it genuine or is it a hoax? I don't know. I mean, because how you do it, bobbing around in a boat, I've got no idea. And and when you're rushing off to your uh, lifeboat, you can run back and get your sketch pad and your pastels. Yeah. Funny no, thing to do. Doesn't, doesn't hang together to me. Doesn't to me. Bossy bosses and nasty colleagues sent office depression rates soaring. Really? Yes. Apparently, staff in firms with no team spirit are much more likely to pop pills to help them get through the day. Now, there you go. Apparently, the Finnish research team says more attention should be paid to psychological factors at work. In fact, the, the one thing they say is people who bully at work, and everybody knows about somebody who's been bullied or somebody who is a bully, it's now totally illegal in the workplace, and uh, people get fired left, right and centre, because there's no excuse for bullying. I never think you get anything out of somebody if you bully them. I mean, if I, if I sort of, you know, bully the producer here, mm. you know, I'm not going to get the best work out no, of her. Of course not, she'd rebel. She would, she would rebel. Yes. She would rebel. She'd probably come right back at me and rebel. Yes. You know, and, and, and I'd laugh. Probably, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I would laugh. There's, a, there's something here for you. Oh, is that there's a German DJ, not that you're a DJ, but a Thank radio you. presenter, smashed the world record for the longest continuous radio show when his morning programme ended after more than a week. His name is Dominic <laughs> Schollmeyer, and he's 26, from Hit Radio and 10 in Hanover, and broadcast his show for 169 consecutive hours, beating the previous record held by an Indian DJ by one hour. So there we are, we can have a 170-hour Steve Allen show. I don't think people... I think people would have his name in the Guinness Book of Records. I'm not sure I'd want to, actually. Is is he a music presenter or is he a speech presenter? He was a music presenter. Ah, well, that's easy, isn't it? And the rules uh, stated that he was allowed to play two consecutive records of up to six minutes. So uh, he could actually play 12 minutes of music before having to say anything. Uh, he was allowed a five-minute break every hour, but saved these up to give himself a 15-minute break every three hours. Oh. He was monitored by doctors around the clock throughout his record-breaking broadcast. Sleep deprivation caused bizarre effects, according to a blog on the station's website. One entry entitled, now he's gone completely mad, uh, reported the DJ was dancing wildly around the studio as the final hours approached. So he had the energy to dance? Uh, yes. Good for him. Well, he's probably trying to keep himself awake, I would think. <laughs> Well, actually, I remember doing overnights on LBC many, 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 many years ago, you know, in dark ages. Yes. And we used to play pieces, as they do now, you have sort of a best-of bit. And I could turn the lights off, lie down on the floor and sleep for 20 minutes and then wake up and go, and that was so-and-so, so-and-so, and and now the news. And then i do the news and i go back to sleep again. (laughs) It used to be terrible. What happened during the 20 minutes that you were sleeping? 
I've no idea. I was asleep. <laughs> I have no idea. No, there's I something mean, going, going out. out. Oh, there's something going out. Well, I mean, I mean there, there was the time many years ago. I did, in fact, have too many... I'd imbibed a bit too much at a New Year's Eve party. Oh, I see. Slurred me away through the first ten minutes. Started falling asleep at quarter past one and they sent me home in a car. That <laughs> <laughs> was so appalling. It was about 25 years ago. Uh, Piers Morgan puts uh, drag on. No big surprise there. Uh, he sang Happy Birthday to uh, Stephen Mulhern. There you go, just what Stephen Mulhern would like. Some old man wearing drag singing happy birthday to him. Uh, David Tennant has revealed he cried when he read the script describing how he would die as Doctor Who. Oh. You're an actor, dear. What's the matter with these people, honestly? Got some right wusses. And Robbie Coltrane is going to return as, uh, as Cracker. I love that. Did you like Cracker? I never yeah. watched it. I love Robbie Coltrane. Yes, I, I don't. I don't know too much about him. He's a great personality. He's love. He's just a lovely man. He's in Harry Potter, wasn't he? Yes, he's yeah. um, whatever it is, the giant uh, Hagrid. Hagrid. All oh, right. Fancy yes. knowing that. Fancy knowing that. How embarrassing. Uh, Fern Cotton tonight tells viewers of her horror at learning that a twisted uh, pro-anorexia website uses her as a role model. Oh. Fern presents a documentary on how the internet is fueling the eating disorder. You know, I'm sick to death of these blooming programmes on the television. It really is. It's just, it's just getting on and on and on. Uh, more on Jade Goody's grandmother has blasted Michael Parkinson. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been taken out of context. You need to read exactly what Parky said to realise. Kerry Katona was out uh, spending money again the other day. What a total waste of space, I'm afraid. It's so boring. You'd be pleased it. to know there's a, a Chinese pensioner who can finally sit down um, after doctors removed a broken syringe from his bottom. His bottom? Yeah, it broke off in his bottom 31 years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> and they've finally got round to removing this thing. Oh, dear me. 31 years later? 31 years ago, yes. Oh, oh terrible. And uh, there's a health boss in the paper, up for £500,000 for being told, you're too old at 56. No, of course not. What is too old nowadays? Isn't it a state of mind? Isn't it? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And uh, another funny story, the Croatian poultry farmer <laughs> doing a cracking Easter trade after one of his, uh, his chickens started uh, laying green-coloured eggs. Yuck. <laughs> green-coloured <laughs> no, eggs? The shells, that is. Oh, right, well, I hope yes. so. <laughs> green-coloured eggs. How yes. peculiar is that? I know. And uh, I've got a colour picture of it, uh, and they really are green. It's yeah. Not a little bit green. Yeah. They're green. Warren says, we have been told by the council that the area by the Barmy Arms where the Heritage Board will be placed will be ready for the 24th of April. I was there. He says, you'll have to join us with Tom from the Fox and Alex from the Barmy Arms to help finish the area. Good rate of pay, I reckon. Depends how, how much a good rate of pay it is, Warren. <laughs> it depends. I'll have, to, I'll have to let you know. Kevin Maguire, the associate editor of The Mirrors with Nick Ferrari this morning. He'll be going through the papers. They're talking about the G20... Uh, policing was it too brutal uh also the terror raid should the nhs be paying for more gastric band surgery i don't think so i think that's a private thing isn't it well i, I would think that don't know it, it all depends on the cause of it yeah uh, and how do uh students handle the stress of exam revision same as everybody else i should imagine you just have to get through it luckily i, I didn't ever go through that heston blumenthal is going to be joining them as well after that uh, the closing down is it, the, is it the fat duck? Yes, but it really. A friend of mine again. went there, loved it to pieces. Absolutely. Real, oh, yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Listen, just about it for this morning. Paul, thank you. Well, Merci, Ben. Look, it's not going to be a great day, is it? Looking well, outside. Of course it is. It's going to be a lovely day. Is it? It's going to burn off and we're going to be basking in the sunshine. Berlin on Monday, 25 degrees. Really? Beautiful. Yes. It'll be the last day if you're off tomorrow. 
isn't it? If you're off on holiday tomorrow. And don't forget the, the Apple MacBook. Go for that one. It finishes at 7pm this evening. Fantastic. Get the bids in by 7 o'clock and uh, see if you can win it. Apple MacBook on our Howlow auction. Very nice indeed. We like nice prizes. Listen, I'm back with you tomorrow. I keep thinking today's Friday, but I promise you tomorrow is. So I'll be back with you tomorrow morning between 5 and 7. Go to lbc.co.uk. Have a good laugh at the photos. Laugh at all the f- poor presenters who've aged and have got no hair. Seems to be indicative of people here with not much hair, except for Nick Ferrari, who's got loads of hair, and he's with you after the news at 7. So I'm back tomorrow morning. Learn how to podcast and, uh, and check out YouTube. I shall go and check it out myself and see what Alan Dodgen was up to last Tuesday on the programme. Thank you, Paul. And thank you to all our guests on the show today. Nick Ferrari with you after the news, which is next on LBC. Well, yeah, after 30 years in the roofing business,